Matthew 18, verse 21 and following. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And... In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this reading of your word. We ask for your blessing as we study it together. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and communicate to us, Lord, mightily. We ask, O Lord, for encouragement where encouragement is needed. And perhaps, Lord, uh, we may even need rebuked wherever rebuking is needed. But, O Lord, we ask that you would meet us all, uh, meet each one of us where where we need to be met. For only you, Lord, know that information. And we pray, O Lord, that you would change us, make us more and more like Christ. To these ends we pray in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. In the course of our study of Matthew 18, we have seen that Jesus is calling us to forgive those who have sinned against us. And uh, it was two weeks ago we saw that Jesus uh, set forth a, uh, a few principles for achieving that end. If you look back to verse 15, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault uh, between you and him alone. The first step is a private step where we, um, we go to the person. And of course, as I've said for the last two weeks, I'll say again, uh, the, the sins that are in view here are not petty annoyances. They're those things that uh, create wedges between us. These are the, the, the heavier things, if you will, the things that we just can't seem to get over uh, on our own. It are those issues. Um, we go privately. That's the first step. If our brother or our sister listens to us, then Uh, We are said that we have won our brother, we have won our sister. Uh, The second step, if that doesn't work, is we take one or two uh, other folks with us. Jesus says if he doesn't or she doesn't listen uh, to them, then, of course, we we bring it up to the church. And that's the process. Now, while all of this is being said, uh, Peter, listening to all of this, in verse 21, which is what we looked at last week, Uh, Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, uh, how many times? 
you know, how often will my brother sin against me and, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And I think we can appreciate Peter's question uh, because I think all of us know, okay, we, we, I, I think everyone knows that we're to forgive one another. Uh, the question is, how much forgiveness are we to offer? Uh, of course, the rabbis were teaching that we were to forgive three times. And with Peter, with his, uh, with his seven times, probably thought, okay, this, this is being quite generous. But Jesus' answer is astonishing, isn't it? He says, no, I, I, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven or 77 times, depending on the translation you have. The Greek can be translated either way. Uh, the number is not what's important. What's important is Jesus is saying that the answer is indefinite. When those seek forgiveness from us, we are to indefinitely give that forgiveness to them. Um, and uh, as we think about that, we should quickly come to the conclusion that, humanly speaking, uh, this is impossible to do. Um, it requires the grace of God. Now, last week as we looked at the story that Jesus tells Afterwards, we saw that uh, Jesus is laying forth for us the grace to follow uh, what he is setting forth here. He tells this story of this servant who goes to his master, or I'm sorry, he tells a story of a king who decides to settle accounts with his servant. And the servant, uh, one of the servants is called uh, to him who owes 10,000 talents. You remember last week, uh, 10,000 talents is a sum of money that is impossible to be paid back. Uh, one single talent is approximately 20 years wages for the average laborer. Uh, it's not hard to do the math. Uh, 10,000 talents is just simply, uh, it's a sum of money that's incapable of being uh, paid. The servant falls down and implores the king. He says, please forgive me. Please, please, please just give me, give me time and uh, I will pay back the sum of money. And of course, the, the, that's nonsense. The servant would never live long enough to pay back that sum of money. Now the master uh, hears uh, his cry for mercy, gives him mercy, pardons him to death. Uh, the servant goes out and immediately calls one of his uh, fellow servants who owes a sum of money, a hundred denarii, we're told. Uh, a denarii is approximately one day's wages for the common laborer. You recall last week, we did a little bit of math. In the state of West Virginia, the average, uh, uh, the average uh, wages for a laborer is about $114. Uh, if you add two zeros to that, you get $11,400. It's a sizable sum of money. It's not a small sum of money. It's a sizable debt. But it's a payable sum of money, isn't it? And the point that Jesus is making here uh, and I, I, his brilliance and compassion is so in view. Uh, the point that Jesus is making here is that our sin debt against God is unpayable. It is so large that it is completely unpayable. Yet the sin debt of others against us may be significant. What I really like about what Jesus is doing here is He doesn't diminish the things, the, the hurt, the, the pain the, uh, of some of the, the things that people do to us. 
He's not diminishing it. He's not saying, well, that's nothing. You just need to suck it up. He doesn't say that. He uses the phrase 100 denarii. That's a sizable sum. In some of our lives, that might be more than 100 denarii. It might be 500 denarii. But the point of this isn't necessarily to set amounts to these two figures in as much as it is to compare the two figures together. And the power to forgive comes from seeing the weightiness, beginning to see the weightiness, beginning to see the depth of our sin debt against God. And as we do that, we're going to begin to see the great mercy that we have in Christ Jesus. Because until we begin to see that, we're going to be incapable of offering biblical forgiveness. We're simply going to be incapable of doing it. But as we begin to see this, as we begin to see the weight and gravity of our sin debt against God, then we're going to begin to see the weight and gravity of Christ's great mercy to us. And as those light bulbs go off, we're going to be changed in a respect that we're now going to be inclined to offer mercy to other people. And that's the point of what the, the king is saying in verse 32. He says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? You recall last week I, I shared with you that that question that the king asks the servant is the hinge pin of this whole thing. That's where the power of forgiveness comes from. Is seeing these things. We're not going to see it until we begin to see our own sins. I remember the, the Jonathan Edwards and uh, uh, in one of his famous resolvements, he had all of these resolvements. He was a very disciplined man. I think there was something like 176 resolvements that he had recorded. But one of them oh, has really struck me and stuck with me. And he said that he is resolved upon hearing about the sin of another person. He was resolved to immediately think of his own sin. As soon as you hear about the sin of another person, immediately think of your own sins. And of course, as we do that, then of course, if you're in Christ this morning, you think of the mercy that has been extended to us in Christ Jesus. Guess what? That puts a whole different perspective on things. This is the power of forgiveness. Now, as I shared last week, uh, there are a lot of questions here that need to be answered, and I, I couldn't do it all last week. It would have, might still be preaching. I don't know. Uh, I decided that we would take at least two weeks with this, and uh, we have a, a really three questions. I think we're going to answer more than three questions this morning, but the first question I want to deal with is, must I forgive unconditionally? You know, that's a question that comes up. In other words, do I have to offer forgiveness to somebody who hasn't repented? I want to deal with that question this morning. Another question is, what does this forgiveness look like? You know, can we paint a little bit of a picture? Can we, can we get some kind of idea of what, what, this, what does this look like, this forgiveness, this biblical forgiveness? And then thirdly, how do I know when I've forgiven someone? You know, how do we know when we have given forgiveness? Let's start with the first question. Um, must I forgive unconditionally? I mean, must we forgive someone who has not owned up to what they've done, who have not sought forgiveness, who have not, uh, an individual who hasn't repented of their wrongdoing. 
do we, are we, is there a divine requirement upon us to, uh, to forgive those individuals? And the answer is yes and no. Uh, it's a tricky question to answer. Uh, you, we can make it really black and white and we can, we can say no to it, but uh, I don't want to misinform anyone here. Let's start with yes and no. If we think about our own forgiveness, forgiveness with God is in the context of repentance, isn't it? When Jesus begins His earthly ministry, He says, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, doesn't He? What did John the Baptist say before Him? Cried out repentance. What did the apostles say as they went through the Holy Land and scattered about the rest of the world? What did they call people to do? What does Paul say in Athens? What does he say to the Athenians? He says, time to repent. Forgiveness is, is really... Forgiveness with God is in the context of repentance. If we do not repent of our sins, then we're going to find ourselves paying the penalty of those sins for all eternity. It's that, it really is that simple. Uh, saving belief or saving faith is a faith that repents. A faith that doesn't repent is not saving. It just simply falls short of saving faith. Repentance involves taking ownership of the sins that we've committed against God and in many cases other people. And it involves calling on God for His mercy in Christ Jesus. And of course, faith can't be separated from repentance. Faith is different than repentance. They're two distinct things, but they can't be separated. Who's going to repent to a God that they, they don't believe there's any mercy to be found in? Now, you're only going to do that once you believe that there's there's mercy in Christ Jesus. And there is mercy in Christ Jesus. You can count on that. So forgiveness with God begins with repentance. Now, there is a lot of confusion on this issue in the church. And I know that because I've spent a lot of time confused about this matter myself. I think there's a lot of folks that believe that we're to offer forgiveness unconditionally, unilaterally, uh, without any confrontation, if someone sins against you, then just forget them. Just forgive. And there's a lot of people that believe that. Um, but I want to ask a question. If that is true, what's the purpose of Matthew 18, 15 and following? I, I think Jesus would have just said, listen, if your brother sins against you, forgive him. If your sister sins against you, forgive her." That's not what he says, is it? If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Why? Why do we want to do that? So that they'll have an opportunity to repent. Why is repentance so necessary? Because without it, the restoration process will stall. It can't complete itself. The, the intimacy, the union, the, uh, the, the, uh, the way that a relationship is before a major sin happens between two individuals or, uh, or more individuals. The only way to repair that is repentance. That restoration process simply cannot uh, be uh, restored without repentance. But the second reason that, that we want to, uh, 
to confront individuals that have sinned against us is for their own, the sake of their own souls. If we go to that individual or we, we call them on their sins and they refuse to repent, that is an indication that they're not in a state of grace, isn't it? They could be just being stubborn. They could be just they're working through things. We don't want to make those judgments right away. We confront them a couple of times. Uh, if that doesn't work, we take a few others with us. If that doesn't work, we eventually tell it to the church. But uh, assuming that this individual's in the church and they, 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 they continue to stay hard-nosed, not willing to repent, they're on their way uh, to being excommunicated from the church. It's, they're on that course. And, and when this is done biblically, it's not being done to be mean. It's being done uh, to be loving. The idea is to bring repentance to that person so that individual can not only be restored to the persons or uh, the person that uh, he or she has sinned against, but so that they can also be restored to Christ Jesus because without repentance, uh, that is just simply impossible. That is the no. Uh, what about the yes? Um, it's true that forgiveness is conditioned upon repentance, but we must never forget that God gives us the repentance. Uh, that if you've repented of your sins, truly, biblically, you've done so because God has given you repentance. And we need to always remember that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25 uh, reads, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And listen to this real carefully. God may perhaps grant them repentance. That's just one of the verses that, that show us that repentance is a gift. Faith and repentance is a gift from the Lord. We can't take the credit for that. We are the ones who repent. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. If you've repented of your sins, you have repented. You're doing the repentance, but you're doing so in response to a gift that God has given you. Now, why would I want to bring that up right now? Because self-righteousness is the arch enemy of forgiveness. Some of you remember last week, towards the conclusion of last week's message, I said, you know, a lot of times when we're, when we're wrestling with an, unforgiven, uh, an unforgiving spirit, we act as though we only owe God 100 denarii and everyone else owes us 10,000 talents. That's self-righteousness. Uh, we have to be rocked out of that self-righteousness if we're going to offer uh, and we're going to give forgiveness to those who are seeking it from us. It's that simple. Uh, I can't think of too many things that will do that. Uh, then the realization that our faith and our repentance are gifts from God. The Apostle Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? Everything that we have, we have received from God's gracious hand. And that changes the perspective on everything, doesn't it? As we begin to think that through. So do we have to forgive those who do not repent? Uh, yes and no. I mean, we have every right to offer forgiveness to those who do not repent. It's our right. There's no divine requirement to do it. There's no divine requirement to do it. Now, uh, again, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. I, I don't want anyone listening to this message and saying, good pastor, that's exactly what I wanted to hear because I don't want to forget that guy, forgive that guy anyway. No, 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 you're missing the point here if that's, if that's where your mind's going. Uh, what I've just said is no license for, for retaliation. 
bitterness, resentment, all of those things. Uh, that has to be taken to the Lord. Uh, those things have to be taken to the Lord. We don't have a license for those things. I think as I begin to, to flesh out what forgiveness looks like, I hope this is all going to become clear to you. That's why I wanted to take these questions together. Let's move to the second question. What does forgiveness look like? The best answer to this question that I know of comes from a book that I was exposed to during seminary, written many, many years ago by the Puritan Thomas Watson. And it's a book, that's, it's a commentary on the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And his comments come from uh, the Catechism's teaching on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, questions 99 through 107 concern uh, the Lord's Prayer. There's the preface, there's six petitions in the Lord's Prayer, and then a conclusion. And on question 105, which, re, which, uh, uh, which is the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, which says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In his uh, discourse on this question, Watson asks this. He says, when do we forgive others? Now, he's not saying with that comment, okay, you know, when should we give forgiveness? He, that's not what he's saying there. Basically, this is Watson's way of saying what does forgiveness look like? It was written a long time ago, and the, the verbiage is a little bit strange to, to our modern ears. So he's in essence asking, what does forgiveness look like? Now, his answer is classic. He, he answers this question, quote, when we strive against all thoughts of revenge, when we will not do our enemies mischief, but wish well to them, grieve at their calamities, pray for them, seek reconciliation with them, and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. This is gospel forgiving. Yes, I see a couple of wide eyes. Yes. Um, in my uh, preparation this week, I stumbled across a sermon that was preached by John Piper a number of years ago. And in that sermon, which was on forgiveness, that's how I found it, uh, he actually quotes this very, uh, quotes Thomas Watson. He quotes this uh, question and answer that Thomas Watson gives. And he does something that I think is very, very helpful here, and I want to share it with you. He broke, he broke Thomas Watson's answer down into seven parts. And he added a scripture reference to each part to show how thoroughly biblical this answer is. The first part is resist thoughts of revenge. Uh, when we're hurt and we have yet to extend forgiveness, sometimes we entertain a few thoughts of revenge, don't we? Retaliation. Sometimes retaliation takes place immediately once the, once the hurt takes place. Sometimes we share words we wouldn't normally share. Or we do things or... or you know, we got all kind of nonverbal communication that can take place. Um, Romans twelve nineteen says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Um, secondly, don't seek to do them mischief or don't seek to do them harm. That's not the that's not her attitude when we're you know, when we're really hurt and we've got to extend forgiveness. That's, not typically our attitude. First Thessalonians 5.15 See that no one repays another with evil for evil. Uh, thirdly, wish well to them. You know, Jesus tells us to bless those who curse us, right? Um, grieve at their calamities. You know, sometimes when you talk with individuals who've been hurt by another person, uh, you, you'll hear sometimes even with uh, gritted teeth, you know, I just hope they get theirs. 
Now, that's the fruit of bitterness, the fruit of resentment. Um, Proverbs 24, 17 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Uh, fifthly, pray for them. Uh, Jesus calls us to pray for those who persecute us. Six, seek reconciliation with them. Um, Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far it depends on you. Be at peace with all men. And seven, be always willing to come to the relief. You know, in Exodus 23, verse 4, we read, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall surely return it to him. And it's one of those verses that say, okay, it's my enemy. I ain't going to bother with it. These cows are loose. I ain't going to fix that fence. It's, we don't get along with that guy. No, it's... Uh, that's, that's, not the, that's, 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 not the, that's not a Christian attitude. As we read these things, as we think about these things, maybe we only think about one of them, let alone all seven of them, we kind of quickly come to the conclusion that this is a calling that is way beyond what we're humanly capable of doing, is it not? Now hold on to that thought just for a few moments. Let me, let me uh, just review these. One, we, risk, we resist revenge. We do not return evil for evil. We wish well uh, to those who have hurt us. We grieve at their calamities. We pray for their welfare. We seek reconciliation as far as it depends on us. And we come to their aid in distress. Uh, let's look at the last question. How do I know when I have forgiven someone? Uh, let's, let's think about our story that Jesus has given us as we think to answer that question. When, uh, when the king pardons the servant who owes him the 10,000 talents, how does he do it? He cancels the debt, doesn't he? Right? Let's take this one step further. How does God give forgiveness to us? He comes in the person of Jesus Christ and he goes to the cross, doesn't he? What's he doing up there? He's canceling the debt. He's canceling the debt. For all those who have faith in Christ, that debt is canceled. Now let's make the application to us. Let's start with our, let's start with our forgiveness in, in God. When we find forgiveness in God, what has happened? God has canceled the debt. That's where the power of forgiveness comes from. We think about all that stuff that you feel guilty about all the time. All that stuff that you wish you could change. If you're in Christ this morning, God has, has canceled that. I mean, you're, you're all right with Him. He, he did away with it. It's done. We think about how he did away with it. It's, it was so bad that he had to give his son to do away with it. But he did away with it. So how, how do we know if we've forgiven somebody? Well, just ask yourself this question. Have you canceled the debt? Or are you still holding it against them? Have you let it go? 
maybe you're still holding on to it. Maybe, maybe you're still dwelling on it. Maybe you're still ruminating on it. Well, just, just go back to the cross. Think about all the things that we've done to God. Maybe, maybe, maybe we don't quite understand that. Maybe. Sometimes when I've talked with people about this, it's, you know, we quickly discover that folks don't really understand what they have in Christ Jesus. That's almost always the case when we're having troubles. We don't understand what we have in Christ. We just don't understand the riches that are in Christ Jesus. And that's where our, a lot of our troubles sometimes come from. God canceled the debt. Have we canceled the debt? I have four little quick things I want to share by way of conclusion that I hope is going to help wrap all of this up together. And please, if, um, if I haven't been clear, if anybody's confused about any of this stuff, don't let that go. Please talk to me uh, at some point. Call me aside or call me on the phone and we'll get together and talk. Um, but I want to offer a couple of disclaimers here because forgiveness is sometimes quite complex and it, it changes from situation to situation. Uh, let, me, let me offer a few things here for you that maybe will help. Uh, first of all, forgiveness is not forgetting. That is a common proverb in our culture. To forgive, We could put it in the infinitive, to forgive is to forget. Uh, I realize that that's commonly heard. I realize that, that we, we hear that all the time. Forget about that because it's unbiblical. It is true that God says in Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. He says, I will remember their sin no more. We have to properly understand what God is saying here. God, God doesn't suffer from cosmic amnesia over the things we've done. Uh, I'm not sure that God's even capable of forgetting in, in a cognizant sense. I don't think that it's even possible. What's meant is he's canceled the debt. He's not going to remember those things in terms of holding them against us. doesn't mean that he has forgotten all of that stuff. And besides, let me give you another reason. Forgetting is passive. If we think about... Uh, to forgive is to forget. It almost sounds like forgiveness is passive. Those who are struggling with forgiveness know one thing. It's not passive. It's indeed very active. We have to actively seek. Think of everything that I've said so far in this sermon. Does anybody think that we can do this passively like going to sleep? We've got to seek God's grace and we'll have to seek God's grace uh, consistently in order to arrive at this. It's very active. Forgetting is passive would get that out of your mind. It is, here's really good news, actually. It is possible to forgive when forgetting is impossible. Some of the things that happen to us are so bad that you're, you're not going to forget them. The good news is you can forgive and still remember what has happened. Forgiveness, secondly, does not remove consequences. If I, if I steal your car uh, and I get caught and I seek forgiveness from you, 
if I seek it, you're, you're, you're divinely required to give me forgiveness, but I might still have to go to jail for stealing that car. Um, so we need to get that overhead. Forgiveness does not remove consequences. Thirdly, forgiveness does not establish trust. Forgiveness is one issue. Trust is another issue. These are two different issues. Forgiveness does not establish trust. You know, if uh, a person in the church were to steal my credit card number and go on a spree, and then call me up and say, man, I'm really sorry, and repent of that, I, I would be required to give them forgiveness um, and I would have to work through that but I'm going to let you in on a little secret here uh, I'm not going to suggest that this person ever become anytime soon that is our church treasurer okay uh, and I'm not going to suggest that they take up the collection on Sunday mornings why well it's because I'm going to offer forgiveness to the person I have to I've got to go to the Lord and I've got to seek it until it comes but Trust is a different issue. You know, in cases of, say, marital infidelity, uh, you know, a spouse may have an affair on another spouse and then seek forgiveness. And it's, it's really wonderful when, by God's grace, these marriages can be put back together. But uh, trust is something that's going to take time. I mean, it just... You've got to remember, sometimes people think... I. I I haven't forgot this person because I just don't trust them. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're confusing forgiveness and trust. They're not one and the same. These are two separate issues. You, you might do, you know, there are cases, in cases of abuse, and you see this is complex. Uh, there's times where, uh, you know, it, it might not be in your best interest to even continue to be around the individual, depending on what has happened. Uh, and lastly, uh, forgiveness does not mean that we're, that we're not angry over the sin. Sometimes people say, I just haven't forgiven. I know I haven't forgiven this because I'm still so really angry. Well, that, not, that statement in and of itself doesn't mean that forgiveness hasn't been, hasn't been uh, uh, offered. It, you know, if, if vandals were to come in here and, and destroy everything that we've put together... Um, you know, we're, we're rightfully going to be angry about that, are we not? Uh, but if, if they seek forgiveness from us, we're going to give it to them, right? But as we're cleaning the place up, uh, we're still going to be irritated about it. Just as long as we're not uh, extending bitterness, resentment, and retaliation towards these individuals. Do, do you understand that? It's not always easy to bifurcate that in our minds. It's our minds just don't work like that. So, do we have to forgive those unilaterally who sin against us? Um, the answer is we, we're not bound to. Without repentance, we're, we're not bound to. If someone sins against us and they haven't repented, we're not divinely bound to offer forgiveness to them. But we've got to take that bitterness and that anger and that resentment and all that to the Lord. If they seek forgiveness, we're bound to give forgiveness to them. What does forgiveness look like? Well, it's, we resist revenge, we resist thoughts of evil, uh, we wish them well, we grieve at their calamities. In essence, what we're doing is we're canceling the debt, right? We're canceling the debt. So with these things in mind, let's, uh, 
Let's pray for grace, because when it comes to forgiveness, we need grace from A to Z. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You and we praise You that by virtue of the Gospel, by applying the Gospel to our hurts, that forgiveness can actually be achieved. And even in cases where full restoration can't be completed because of lack of repentance from uh, the other party, Lord, that we can still bring all of the hurt and the wrong and the resentment and all of that to You, O Lord. And Lord, You wouldn't be commanding us this way if it weren't possible for You to deal with these things. O Lord, we thank You that we, we can truly work through uh, all of these issues, that in Christ Jesus we, we can truly work through all of these things. And we ask, O Lord, for Your grace to continue to sharpen our understanding of these things, Lord, that, that Lord, our, our lives may reflect that understanding and give us the grace, O Lord, we need uh, that we might see our sin debt against You, O Lord, and that we might see that mercy in Christ Jesus, that we would have the power to forgive. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And everyone say, Amen.